0: internal monologue in this episode we're going to be discussing blood of elves chapter two so this chapter uh introduces us to tris marigold uh who uh is probably famous for being in the witcher games far more than she is in these books she's she's a minor recurring character um and there's a lot to be said about her in relation to here in the text and also her um metatextual relationship with the franchise because of the games um so I'll just go ahead and get into that um simply because it's uh, Triss is not a character I really like I think she's well written uh I understand her motivations and everything I just find her annoying because of her obsession with Geralt and I think that's p- kind of the point is that she has this like schoolgirl crush on Geralt um, it's almost the gender bent uh, of the nice guy, you know, who uh, thinks acting nice, you know, to a, a girl will mean that he'll get sex or something. It's it's the same thing, just the nice girl, I guess, or whatever. But it's sort of a gender bent version of that trope. She is, um, you know. uh outwardly obsessed with Geralt um and he, he, you know even Geralt is a bit uncomfortable with it and is often trying to brush her aside going yeah no 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 um and there's this one line that I always take is really damning of uh you know she became so intrigued with Geralt that she seduced him seduced him with a little help of magic there's the implication there that consent may not have been fully there Um, Geralt obviously cares about her, he sees her as a friend, um, nothing more than that. Um, but there is just this sense that he did sleep with her at one time at a vulnerable time when he had broken up with Yen and all that, and, you know, that, um, that never left her, whereas she was just the rebound girl for him. Um, and so there's a friendship there, but nothing more. Um, and obviously, like, that's a big thing in this chapter is, you know, her, her obsessing over Geralt, but outside of that, in the metatextual sense in the real world, uh, the Witcher franchise, you know, gained a lot of popularity in the western hemisphere or, uh, the video games by CD Projekt Red, and Jennifer does not appear until the third game. Uh, the first two games, it's Triss. As a matter of fact, they changed Triss's character so much to be more Langian, like Yen, um, having her quote Yen multiple times, especially in Witcher 1, as sort of a Yen replacement. And there's been various stories as to why uh, the main one that's repeated is they didn't feel comfortable using the character, they didn't feel like they could do her justice, uh, so they they chose Triss instead. And so now they're in the internet, there is like this weird war over who's the one true pairing in the shipping war for Geralt of Yennefer or Triss. And in, and to anyone who actually knows anything about the Witcher, who's ever bothered to pick up the books, it's Yennefer. There is no other option there. Um, Triss is, a, is nothing to him. It's just a friend. She's just a friend. Um, and so, like, that entire... One true pairing, shipping war thing drives me up the wall and really annoys me because it it, it all comes from the um the uh the games. If the games uh, weren't a thing and it was just the books, and say that they got translated and got popular here in the Western Hemisphere, no one would be uh big in the tryst because it's very obvious Geralt does not love her in that way. He loves her as a friend, um, and so that that. That entire dichotomy, I think, is interesting from the real-world perspective in the actual books. You know, she she eventually moves on and gets with someone else. And But there's always that underlying thing, and there's going to be a really great scene in Lady of the Lake where Yen basically puts her foot down and basically says, Get rid of your schoolgirl crush. There is no other person for him except me, which I think is perfectly in Yen's right to do and makes perfect sense um and i completely agree with her um i find Triss's schoolgirl crush an interesting idea um if it was explored more but you know outside of this book Triss only has one other book that she is she has pov in even then it's a minor thing uh she's primarily uh you know a reoccurring minor character uh for some major events but it's not like She's not Siri, she's not Geralt, she's not Yennefer, you know. She's not one of the core trio. Um, and uh and she's not even Dandelion, who's a, you know, a tagger along. Um so uh not not really a character that I've ever given a great amount of care for. She's well written, well realized, you understand her, and you've certainly met people like her. I know I have, but there is uh I I think my my dislike of the character comes from the meta textual relationship of the internet having these shipping wars, all because of games, and it really makes no sense to me as someone who you know I started in the games yes, but I uh only a week or you know so later after I'd finished the third game, which was the the first game I I had played of the Witcher series, I picked up the books and I read all the books, so there is you know I have. Uh, even though I started from the games, it wasn't that long of a stretch before I had picked up the books. Um, like seven to 14 days, you know? So, um, to me, uh, the books are the saga to me. And, you know, they're in, in, in the games are just kind of this fan fiction y thing. Um, and some of their choices, especially with Triss, are very mind boggling to someone who loves these books very dearly. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I figured I'd get that out there with Tris. There's a, there's some interesting stuff to talk about with her PTSD, uh, and being the 14th one on the hill. However, I'm going to say that for next chapter, um, in, uh, because we'll get more into that, uh, in chapter three. Um, so I do want to point out that, um, because this, you know, this is the first full length like, novel and I kind of touched upon it with helene's Prophecy, Um, you know, last chapter, but, uh, you know, this chapter opens with an excerpt from Monstrum, the portrayal of witchers, you know, uh, you know, nothing more dastardly or evil than the witchers, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it contrasts that with another excerpt from Nindigam, uh, about how ignorance will always be ignorance and stupidity will always be stupidity and that no matter what we do to eradicate it, stupidity will always remain, um, and, uh, one thing I like about these is that, you know, uh, it's excerpts from in-universe books, um, uh, sort of explaining ideas, and oftentimes they get you ready for a major theme that runs through that particular chapter or informs you about something going on, on answer to the world building, um... Or what have you, but it is it is ultimately a very interesting device, and I and I quite like it. You know, most fantasy books would maybe do like one excerpt from an in-universe thing, but uh, um, and occasionally, Seabasky will only do one, like uh, with Athlean's prophecy. But here, you know, he has two the contrast and show how the world is diverse in its opinions and its ideas, and how uh, these things uh, change and grow and. Uh, and I think it's important because there's some small, key, key world-building stuff that are put in these. Or, like I said, they feed into the theme. Um, anybody who, who who's read these books will know what I say when I say Mandrake. Um, and so, like, that really, it, it really ties it all together um, in a nice little bow. Which uh, really makes, uh, you know, while these books are of the grander whole each chapter has a you know it, it, as good writing is you know uh every scene has to move forward character plot uh progression everybody's going to move in their arc every scene has to matter cut the fat you know kind of thing um and so in e- these chapters with themselves tell a mini you know micro progression of a story um, and those uh, in-universe uh, stuff uh, you know excerpts really uh, get you attuned to that uh, not only that but it also plays with the the overarching theme that I talked about of stories and ballads and and revisionist history and interpretation and biases and how that affects the way we remember and tell things to others um one interesting thing to note is that Karamorin I, I brought this up that it was a dilapidated castle you know um but um you know we're, we're getting more information about the sacking of Karamorin than uh you know these uh these evil you know bigoted peasants you know fanatics went in and attacked the witchers you know uh quarter century ago if not more um and that uh you know, uh, anybody who was there died in the secrets of Witcher Mutant gens died with them. That uh, anybody who was not there survived, like Vesemir and, and you know, etc. And that no new witchers have been made since then because, you know, uh, the oldest witcher still alive is Vesemir and he was just a lowly, fencing instructor. He knows nothing about the trial Grasses. He can try the best he can to emulate some of the formula he remembers. Uh, you know, which plays into the side of this chapter, but there, you know, there's only so much he can do, and no one else really knows what to do. And you know, mages are also part of the process, and they don't have those anymore. Um, and so there's this entire thing of, uh, you know, the 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 Witchers are truly not only are they dying out, uh, but also they've lost their way in a way. Um, and I, that's a that's a key theme that will go through this saga is that. Maybe witchers don't need to be around anymore, or maybe there always will be need for witchers, but maybe witcher is up for interpretation of what it really means. Um, and it's important to note that as as we see with the the, the uh, series side of things that, um, you know, the what they can remember, what they can do is slowing her progression of her puberty Um, And, you know, noticeably, there are no female witchers. Um, And so this implies that there is some sort of chemical thing that happens uh, that maybe only boys can go through. And even then, it's not perfect. You know, not a lot of them survive, as we know from, uh, you know, especially something more where they really get into it. Um, and, And so there's um the, there's this interesting gendered thing about the witchers uh which we'll get more into as the saga progresses because of siri being trained as a witcher but being a girl and never fully going through the trials and and how that defines her uh now the uh the big bulk of this chapter i always uh, think of is Triss calling out the witchers you know she comes in uh and, and, and you know i like how she stumbles upon siri and at first she thinks she, she's a boy uh and i like how we're introduced to siri as like this very cocky overly arrogant um you know trainee who's been training for a year but is still clumsy and, and falls and like there's this entire thing of that she's just a bit too big for her britches basically um and and, and the way uh the, the way that Trish slowly goes about figuring things out, you know, that her, her, uh, you know, vest doesn't properly fit her. The only thing that seems to properly fit her is the the, the very small sword and the boots. Everything else seems to have been, you know, roughly cut and jury-rigged to fit this because... The Witchers are all men. They're not, they're not used to the women, and they're certainly not used to girls. And so there's this entire thing of as she slowly comes to figure things out, and she talks to Siri. You know, Siri is a princess. While, uh, Siri is a princess, and she is naive in a, in many ways. Um, you know, uh, she she even has uh has a line at one point of uh, uh I can handle anything, which you know that that really shows her mentality the girl does point out that she did survive two weeks on her own, uh, then found her way for almost a year, uh, you know, a little over half a year with other people scrounging to survive, that while she is a princess, she hasn't been a princess in over a year. And so while that still is ingrained in her, there is a new theory being born here, and that we need to pay attention to that, and that it's not all fine and dandy, fine dresses and, uh, and your majesties and all that stuff. Uh, and, and Geralt being the productive dad is one of the best bits uh, of the saga, but also just of this chapter of how he casually changes his tone to talk to Ciri, to talk to Vesemir, talk to Triss, everyone, and how he can come down hard when he needs to. And this will become even bigger in the next chapter uh, in a very particular scene. Um that really shows Dad Gerald and I think Spikowski is pulling from his own experiences. As I said, you know, his son was the one who encouraged him to begin writing in the first place. Um he's sadly late son now. Um, and um Triss calls the witches out, like, you know, she's going through her period you know, she she's a princess, she has all these expectations, you know, uh that come with that, and you're just ignoring her and treating her like one of the boys, and you can't do that. That that is a not healthy, first of all, mentally or physically for Siri, but is also not going to help her training at all. And that Siri, because of who she is and how she grew up, she's afraid to admit her faults Purely because of her gender, she even asked Triss, "Can you turn me into a boy? Because I don't want to have my period anymore, basically." And there's this entire thing of that the Witchers are going about training the uh, training Siri like she's a boy, and you can't do that. She's she's a girl. She's a princess, uh, she's royalty. There is things in that that you need to, to hold account for and deal with, and the witchers aren't doing that. And it's very important uh, that they do that. And while Triss kind of uses it, well, uh, you know, Triss is right about everything she says, but she's also using it to rub it in a little. She she has. Uh, Siri recite what she's going to say and then come down in that dress and and, and and sort of make a big theatrical display to the witchers that she's not only a, a girl but also a princess and she deserves a certain modicum of respect because of that, it is very clearly Triss doing payback to the witchers because she doesn't believe she's being treated right. Uh, not only Siri, but also herself, and also, you know, uh, Geralt not showing her affection, um, and all this stuff. And there's just this uh, indication that there is some spite underneath it. Well, everything Triss says is correct, and uh, she's full within her right to, you know, beat down the witchers for what they were doing, because they were being idiots. Even Geralt, as productive of a dad as he is, he was being stupid in this regard, uh, because he's unexperienced with this. You know, you, you the thing about parentage is it's not something you can ever prepare for. No matter how many classes you take, how many books you read, how, many adv- how much advice you get, you will not be prepared for it, because each child is unique, and everything is going Going to be, um, a, you know, uh, a learning experience. Uh, you know, ask any parent: Were did were you ready? You know, look, oh no, I had to learn day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, to become the parent I am. And I hope I did well by them. I care about them so much that uh, I hope it worked out. But I can't tell you. And we see that, you know, Geralt is a kind man and he has many things underneath that uh, that that mirage, that that comfort blanket of the witcher he hides, hides behind. And um even when he takes off that blanket to be the dad, he makes mistakes. He's just like anyone else. He was not prepared for this. He's <laughs> especially because of his lifestyle. He wasn't prepared to be a dad regardless um, and so, uh, that, that's ultimately why he called Triss is because not only does she need a woman around a, a, a female figure to look up to, but also that, you know, her magic abilities is something that Geralt and, and the witchers have no clue how to handle, um, and, uh, her being a source, um, you know, uh, we can get more into that later um but um w- one thing i like is how she can basically switch on a dime from being like this ultra powerful uh you know uh medium who can s- talk to the dead to suddenly being ordinary 12 year old girl all fine and dandy and who was really possessing her and who was really talking to triss uh in that scene we don't know um but you know uh i have my theories and in in sometimes it won't be fully you know certain certain mysteries are up for interpretation there you know the entire ending of the saga is meant for personal interpretation and i think that's part of the strength of the series is is how much it understands that sometimes mysteries don't need to be answered um but i you know uh to people who know what i'm talking about i think it was at least partially Falka. Um uh, that's how I've always interpreted it, is that uh Falka is inside the magic somewhere and in can commune with Siri in some way and we see that in time of contempt most especially, which is why I think that. But it is it is a mystery that isn't fully revealed. We'll get more and more hints of things and some more solid answers for other stuff, but who exactly was talking through Siri? Not for sure quite yet. Um, and never fully explained, but I think it's, it's pretty blatant when we get to time of contempt. Um, and so yeah, this, this is a fun chapter because it is, um, it, it, it's showing that Geralt isn't a, a perfect dad. Uh, sets up a lot of the stuff that's coming later, gets us introduced to the personality of the witchers, Um, and one thing I do want to talk about, uh, and I'll probably talk about it more next chapter is the slow paceness of this book. Some people absolutely hate it. Some people love it. Um, I think that there is a give and a take that, uh, a lot of these intimate, very slow scenes are necessary for some of the larger stuff coming forward. However, I do think there is a pacing problem with this book. And I think I will talk more about that next, uh, chapter because I will be joined by Josh uh, to talk about the big Carromoran uh, chapter, the final Carromoran chapter, really, uh, where, uh, where we're going to go through Triss's PTSD and series, uh, you know, final montage of training as a Witcher before she goes off to the Temple of uh, Melidale in the Lander. Um, and so, until then, see you next time. Bye.